Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Peter. And we are parents of two children, Alberto and Rosina. Each week we sit down together and chat about the reality of raising children. So, if you're a new parent, expecting or just want to see what it's all about, this is the place for you. This, this is, is The, the Parent Sesh. Welcome back to the Parent Sesh Pod. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, co-host. Always forget that, Daniel. And with me is my co-host, Peter. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I've, I think uh, everyone sort of knows that we're the hosts of the show by now. Yeah, but you know, it could be someone's first time listening and tuning in this far into the season. Bit of a mistake. Go back. Yeah, go back to the start. Go back to the start. Just <laughs> stop it. And then you will know us. Pause it here so that when you get to this episode, you don't have to listen to this part over and over again. So let's get into it. Uh, big week, as always. Every Look, to be honest, every week as a parent is a big week. You don't really escape that. But mm. this week was especially bigger than most. Mainly because you were sick. But before you got sick. Just before. We got Alberto his first bike. Yeah. Yeah, it was really just random spur of the moment. Yeah, well, it it came about, well, we've been putting it off and we thought he'd probably get a bike for Christmas or his birthday this year. But uh, we were going for a walk and he wanted, he didn't want to go in the wagon or in the pram. So he wanted to go on a bike and all we had was one of those three-wheel trikes, which are like... Best things toddlers. ever. <laughs> Best things ever, though, when they're at the appropriate age for mm, him. From anywhere from, you know, 12 months to, what, two and a half, three I'd say that'd probably be the upper limit, yeah. 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 So he wanted to ride that and it, he just his feet just kept hitting the back wheels and we just said, hey, how about we just stop right now, head to the shops, buy a bike... And then we'll go on our walk and to the playground tomorrow with the new bike. He was very hesitant. No, I'm not, not even hesitant. He was just resistant. Did not want to do it at first. He was adamant he would make the trike work. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where he just sped off and tried really hard not to hit his feet on the back wheels. Mm. But then I think the penny dropped for him. And he reluctantly agreed. Like what sort of kid reluctantly agrees? They're going to get a free bike. Like, Come on. Yeah, I think he just feels like, but then I will get to have my fun tomorrow. Mm. He doesn't quite understand that the fun will be like way more fun. Way more. And that he's got to try the bike out today, like that same day. So he still would have had fun, but I don't know. He just didn't understand. Well, anyway, we got in the car, we went to the shops and we bought a bike. Mm -hmm. We bought this really... I'm going to say cute bike. It's very cute. It's like one of those cruisers. Like a beach cruiser. Like a beach cruiser, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it has a little basket at the front. Mm -hmm. We could have gone down the licensed route and got like a Spider-Man bike or a Batman bike. They did have those. They did. And he was really interested in the Spider-Man one. But as soon as I said, hey, this one has a basket to carry your toys, he went, yeah, that's for me. (laughs) So we got it. I was a little bit, how you going about whether or not I could put it together. Not because I, like, I've never done a bike before and that sort of stuff, you know, you don't want to get it wrong. So I, know I rang up my dad and we went to my dad's place and 
put the bike together after a frustrating hour and a half of fiddling with little things and terrible instructions, breaking the brake lever and then having to put it back together again. And we finally got it. And I remember taking, he took him, we took him out the front of my parents' place and he just couldn't get it. And he could not figure out the pedals and he kept getting frustrated, Mm. but he didn't stop. Here's the thing is he's never had a proper bike before because even when we got him a bigger bike that did have pedals, it was still a trike. Like it still had three wheels and it had that arm on the back of it that you can push them Mm. so that if they get tired, you can just keep pushing them all the way home. You don't have to like carry the bike or something. And, and then he hasn't had anything else. So he didn't really have the concept of pedaling. And also I might add is at daycare, they have balance bikes. So there's no pedals. The kids just use their legs. So it was really his real first crack at pedaling. And he was trying his hardest to push the pedals (laughs) and get momentum. And he just, he couldn't crack it. Right before we were about to leave, he got on a bit of a roll. And I think he figured it out because then by the time we got home, he wanted to keep going on his bike. He wanted to keep practicing. So we went out the front of our place and there's this nice sort of open area that you can just roll back and forth Mm, on bikes. And it's flat. It's flat. Mm -hmm. And he nailed it. He's got training reels, but that's fine. Yeah, but We'll get rid of them soon. Oh, I really don't think he needs them after watching him. And because they're off scent, like... How do you explain the training wheels? They're not necessarily touching the ground. They're just there if he They're there them. if he falls either side. And like I've been watching him and they haven't really even been touching the ground. Sometimes. Yeah. Depends but... on like if the ground's uneven. Mm. You might lean one way. Mm-hmm. So it'll just be like toilet training, I guess, in a way. You just got to let them have a couple accidents and hopefully they'll learn how to get through it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he'll get them off in a while. But yeah, the bike was cool. And it just it's given us another way of being able to go out with him. Like instead mm. of having to pull a wagon or him wanting to sit in a pram with Rosina, which is just definitely not built for two children, let alone, <laughs> a, let alone a four and a half year old and a, and a one year old. Uh, to now being able to ride himself there. And we've gone to the park a few times. He's sped up in front of me. Like he's, we've gone to the shop a couple of times. It's really nice. Yeah, yeah, and he's a really great listener. He always has been with walking places. Mm. Like we've always made sure that, you know, he knows road road rules and road safety and things like that. So we've got he's got that independence and that freedom to sort of manage how to ride or how to get to the part before he has to stop on his own now. I've just thought of a really good way I can use it because he can ride so fast Mm. i can run Mm. and go on a run while he's riding his bike and Mm -hmm. we can kind of keep pace together so yeah it's just a nice way of interacting with the the, with the with the child that is Mm. our son and i'm just so proud yeah proud mama proud little papa and proud mama gonna say it feels like whenever we start with a nice story like that it's usually how the news ends the week ends the story with this feel good thing but we launched straight into feel good we're straight into all the good stuff Mm. but uh today we've got a really juicy topic uh i'm sure every parent's gone through this phase at one point so take a break and on the other side of it we're going to get into all things fussy eaters (laughs) 
fussy eating. I have to say, I feel like some part of this is payback for me as a fussy eater. I was the fussiest the child. fussiest child. Into oh adulthood. My goodness. Even to a point now. But it's, it's yeah. a lot better than what it used to be. It is a lot better. But yes, I guess we should talk about how fussy you were. This yeah. is pretty intense. Yeah. Before <laughs> I get too deep into that, obviously the payback I mentioned is the fact that we've gone through a bit of a spell with Alberto. But yeah, I've kind of deserved it because of how bad I was. And I really hope it is just a phase. Like you mentioned just before that it's a phase. And for you, it wasn't. Oh, it, it was, was a, my, a lifetime. It was my lifestyle. Like, <laughs> yeah. I had food groups that were exclusively carbohydrates mm. and not much else. Yeah. And it's not even like playing around too much outside of normal carbs. Okay. Let me paint a picture of what I would eat in a normal school day. At what age? Let's go. Like, how far back are we going well, to explain this? My we- memory goes back to, I think, about grade seven. So when I was about 12. Right. That's what I can remember back to. I don't. That you know that you always were. Well, I had a turning point. Apparently, I was, wasn't was so bad until I hit around about 10. Okay. Then as soon as I turned 10, mm-hmm. forget about it. Like, it was... Uh, pasta with red sauce, no mince. Like I didn't eat mince. Okay. Weird, right? As an Italian, really, 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 really weird. Well, not really, because just red sauce pasta that is so common. Like, your whole family makes that. That's a really like simple, easy yeah. dinner. So it's not, I guess, in your family. But that was all I would have. Not, there was I'm, nothing else I'd I'm eat. Not, I'm not, not. I wouldn't eat anything else for dinner. I like my parents would have to make that pasta specifically so they could they might be having in our house it was quite common to have something like pasta broccoli i was just thinking that yeah. pasta broccoli i was literally just thinking and i wouldn't know part of it so they had to make a, <laughs> my mom had to make a red sauce so i could have dinner and they might let's say have steak and vegetables very mm. rarely not for you not for me pasta with red sauce yeah and i even remember she tried to make me hamburgers one time and just to get me to even take a bite, she wrapped it in a napkin and wrote with a pen the McDonald's logo. Had you had McDonald's? Yeah, I love McDonald's. Was... Okay. But she didn't. She wanted me to eat her burger that she made. Mm-hmm. And the only way she got me to just try it was pretending. Was pretending it, it was McDonald's. Homemade. Yes. Right. So you know, I also love Vegemite sandwiches. I yeah. pretty much lived exclusively off Vegemite sandwiches for, geez, I think until I was about 17. So would you say white bread, butter, Vegemite, yep. done? Done. Nothing no else. Cheese? No, no, absolutely not. Toasted? Nope. No. No. Nope. Fresh. Fresh white bread. Fresh white bread. No, not wholemeal. Like sandwich. You put wholemeal in front of bread. me. Oh, that bread's brown. Get it away. <laughs> so I was, I was fussy. I didn't eat vegetables. I didn't eat my lettuce. I, I, no, no lettuce. No, nah, my subway order was disgusting. You I remember had tomato though, right? Nope, no tomato, which was such a shame. My nunu, my grandfather, grew homemade tomatoes, and apparently they were the most beautiful thing. Never, never got to eat them because I was too fussy. Wow. When when I met Peter, mm. I didn't eat sushi. Oh, you didn't eat anything. I didn't eat anything. Let's be real. Yeah. It was you pasta, still... pizza, and wraps. 
Raps. You liked raps at that point. I forced myself into raps because I needed to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And raps, I thought, were a nice, healthy way of reducing the carb intake, adding in some baby spinach and some kind of... Sun-dried tomatoes, I remember. Loved sun-dried tomatoes. Mm-hmm. But again, that was a stretch. I had to build into that. Mm. Like when I turned 20, I kind of started exploring a little bit more. Famous story. Oh I my went God, to my. Got some really funny. I went to my friend's. Stories. <laughs> I went to my friend's nineteenth birthday party at a Japanese restaurant. I didn't eat Japanese food, which was BYO, right? It was BYO. Okay, yeah. So that was a re- that's a really good point to make sure, but the viewers know this. <laughs> uh, it was BYO. I ate pizza or pasta, I think, before, and it was mm-hmm. a dinner. Like we were going out for dinner for the birthday mm-hmm. before we then went out into town. I ate, specifically ate before we went. And then instead of eating, everyone was like, you can't just sit here. I was like, okay. So I brought <laughs> I brought a sack of goon, a cast wine. So classy. <laughs> and Here in Australia, we just say goon sack. Yeah, goon sack. But you're trying to be descriptive that everyone understands. Just in case anyone who's not from <laughs> Australia is listening. And Which is the lowest grade of wine oh it's right? the cheapest it's really yeah for four liters it's eight it was eight dollars 99 i was a uni student back then so it made sense how many standard drinks are in that i don't know oh you don't know i don't know okay. but i didn't have anything to drink out of and it was a byo <gasps> restaurant and it was the byo wine so <sighs> cast wine's fine anyway they gave me uh to drink out of a wine cooler so rather than drinking out of a cup they gave me a big wine cooler like you know how you'd have like a, a tub to put your wine in with ice around it what do you mean i mean that they gave me that to drink out of who did the way the restaurant no they did yeah they did they didn't give you a glass no no because oh i, I wanted something bigger so they gave me that <gasps> oh my anyway goodness. so for, to divert attention from the fact that i was a fussy eater i made a big song and dance about how i'm drinking goon out of this big wine cooler Totally stealing the attention from the birthday person yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah, who we're really good friends with now. So in any case, look, that just is a small insight into my food journey. I was fussy. So everyone else was eating dinner like spring rolls yep, and nothing. Rice I didn't go anywhere and, near it. Now yeah, that stuff's some wow. of my favorite food, right? Mm-hmm. I love rice. I remember I went to sushi with you and that was the first time I ever ate it. I know. And I was 23. Mm-hmm. I know. I remember because I remember you telling me that you went to sushi the night or two nights earlier to yeah. practice and you didn't eat it. I didn't eat it. I just <laughs> ate karagi chicken and mayo, which is but not really sushi. But you did with me, which is really, really sweet. Yeah, just chicken and avocado sushi. It wasn't. Um, oh, it's not ground. I'm not talking. We're not, we're not going like to another planet here. Like we're just eating. Talking. No ginger. Just. Yeah. And, and with mayo, no lots um, soy sauce lots or anything. of mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. So look, I've banged on enough about how bad I was. You can really understand it. So when we decided we wanted to have kids, it definitely played on my mind. Uh-oh, how am I, a really fussy eater, going to convince my children that they need to eat mm-hmm. different food? So it was a really, I guess, pivotal moment for us to try and change my attitude towards food so we didn't influence too much the kids attitude towards food yeah and i think that we also knew that the style of cooking it was going to be heavily influenced by the italian culture so we knew that it wasn't going to be a typical meat and 
two or three veg dinner. You yeah. know, it or- wasn't going to be like that. It was going to be things like lasagna, meatballs and spaghetti and... Yum. Mm. Like you're making me hungry just saying all of that. <laughs> so, yeah, we we knew what we had to try and do or, like, the, the attitude we had to try and change was first was mine. You were okay. Yeah. I think you were fine as an, as an eater. Yeah. You've, I, you've actually gotten a little bit more fuzzy. You've come sort of the agree. other way. You, uh, you're very, you're, yeah. No. Mm. We'll settle it later. <laughs> I think you... Once you like a meal, you don't like to deviate. Yeah, I don't like change, but yeah. I'm not fussy. Well, isn't that the definition <laughs> of fussy? No. No. <laughs> She's standing firm on that one. But I think it was about us landing some common ground on how we both wanted to communicate mm. with food. And I really, really didn't want my past to influence the kids' future when it mm. came to food. And I think, you know, that's that was a really nice spot to settle on before we decided to have the children and and start the food journey with them. I don't know. Like, do you have anything more that you were thinking about before they came along? No, it's it's so tough that when you don't have kids, you don't think about any of this or how your eating habits are going to influence your children or, or, or like for me, because I breastfed, like I'd never thought about what I consumed going through my breast milk for the children as well. Like, it's just something that doesn't, I don't know. You don't think too much about until you have kids, but then once you do, it's a lot of pressure because you're unprepared in a way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I always just thought that well, they're kids. They don't know. They only know what we're going to show them. So mm. if we only show them certain types That's of food, true. then they're only going to eat that. And look, for a while that worked, uh, and then everything changed. But uh, let's uh, take a break. And on the other side, we're going to talk all things Alberto and his food journey. So Alberto was born and look for the first six months, you don't have to think about it. Mm. Just milk. It's so easy. And then you really, after that point, you're like, uh-oh. Where do we begin? Where do we begin with this food? Yeah. And we tried lots of things. You know, you made a whole batches of frozen food and mm-hmm. served it to him. And I think we, with how we were, we were very tired, we were busy, just felt a lot. We switched to packet. Yeah. And that did allow us a little bit of, to try a bit of everything. That's right. I was going to say it did give us the opportunity to have a bit more variety by changing over. Not to mention it was super easy because- No effort. No effort required. You just open the packet, put either put into the bowl or by a certain point, Alberto was just taking it straight from the packet and away he went. So again, it's like another little band-aid over us having to make- a decision on it. But we weren't stopping him from eating certain foods that I potentially wouldn't eat because I'm still a little bit fussy. We were trying really hard to pick foods to make sure he would eat everything. Yeah. So it would be a a real universal food experience. 
And as he got older, when he started eating more solids, moved away from the mushy food into to bigger food, he was eating everything. Yeah, he was doing really, really well. And especially with all the Italian mm. food, he was, you know, like having malangiani and he was having gutoletta, like... Oh, the good to let's, he was chowing them down. And yeah. the malangiani he loved, for the people who don't know, that's like an eggplant dish. Um, what do they call it? Um, sorry. Oh, eggplant parmigiana. Eggplant parmigiana. Eggplant parmigiana, yeah. So, you know, he was devouring and all of that stuff. chicken schnitzel. And... Yeah, good to let's a chicken schnitzel. Loved him. And I don't know, he just wanted it all the time and like that was the food that he we would serve him and that was mm-hmm. the food he would eat and for spaghetti and meatballs oh, he liked pesto there's one amazing photo that uh, we have of him where he was eating meatballs and the sauce is just all over his face but he had this big stupid grin and yeah. he was just so happy it's, but, it was his favorite i still think it's possibly his favorite oh, thing to eat now definitely because he do, he eats the meatballs, but then leaves the pasta. Yeah, you're not having as much pasta at the moment, but <laughs> progress. We'll we'll get to that. Yes, but he started off really positively, mm-hmm. and I think he you know, even ate things like hummus. Yeah, he you remember did. when yeah. he had that? We never gave him white bread. It was always multigrain or wholemeal or sourdough, like good quality bread. That was definitely my doing in my head. Because I avoided all of those breads for years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, he's going to eat that bread. And he, he ate it. He mm. didn't exclude it or want not not want it. He, he wanted it. He had some issues with dairy. And yes, he, he did. He had an issue with peanut butter, but it wasn't the peanuts. It was, it was the, the dairy butter. It. it was the dairy um, that would just make him really ill. So we had to steer him off dairy for quite quite a long time I think we kept him off it or really limited what he had because he wasn't building any sort of resistance to the dairy I got a funny peanut butter story oh no it's um it's about your mum I remember we used to tell your mum hey don't give him cookies with milk don't give him peanut butter because it has (laughs) Because we, we know Dairy that you it. have because when yeah. he comes home, he's sick and in pain and then His explodes. poor little nappy <laughs> is not coping with the food. Mm-hmm. Anyway, after multiple times, we thought, okay, it's finally settled in. We're good. We bring him home and open up his nappy and it's a disaster zone. Well, he I remember he cried a lot yeah. that on the way home or... He was crying a lot and then, yeah, it was. And then I asked her, I said, hey, Claire, uh, did you give him peanut butter today? And her face went bright red like a teenager who's just found out his crush has been, you know, talking about him or something. And she just went all shy and like. Like a little giggly. Like a little giggly schoolgirl. Because here's the tricky part, right, is he loved it. He loved the taste of peanut butter. But his body did not like it. His body didn't butter. like it. <laughs> so when that started to happen, it kind of actually began us having to really think about what foods he can eat and try and give him stuff that we know he can handle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we did, I gave him scrambled eggs without milk in it. Love scrambled eggs. Yeah. We And we really started to like explore other avenues. And he was, 
he was doing really, really well. Mm. And it was around the time that you got pregnant with Racina where everything changed. Yeah. The tri- the other tricky thing is I feel like I've said tricky a few times, but another tricky thing with that was because I'm a stay at home mom, I'm the cook, like, and I enjoy the cooking. I love it. And I really try hard to nail recipes and find new things and, and, you know, tackle your family's recipes and just things like that. So I really enjoy it. And I was really the cook of the family. So me going down and having hyperemesis and not having that ability to stand up for long periods of time or be around smells, like the smells. Oh my God. Well, you didn't have the energy to cook either. Yeah. There was just so much that then took that role away from me and put it onto you. Who's never, you ne- up until then, One. you hadn't cooked. You'd prepare meals like you could make yourself a wrap or mm. a Turkish bread sandwich. Let's also remember that I came from an Italian household where I had a similar mum oh, who yeah. loved to cook mm-hmm. and feed and provide her family with food. So I didn't make food when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Like never. So, you know, look, the hyperemesis stuff, we've actually, that's our first episode. So if you are just tuning in, do go back, listen to it from that episode. It goes through everything we went through with that journey. But we probably didn't explore this side of it too much. And that was, what do I feed my son by myself? And I was working like working from home because it was during COVID. And also my work allowed me to work from home to look after Alberto. But I didn't have time to cook. And I totally didn't have time to try and expand his food horizons. Mm-hmm. Like I probably could have. And look, looking back... I probably should have, but in the moment I was looking for quick results. I was looking for what can I do to get this resolved quickly? And there were like things that I relied on. Cruskets. Cruskets were the best because I knew he'd eat them. Mm. Cruskets with butter on it. Money winner. Mm. That was in that. He would be like, oh, I'm hungry for breakfast. Oh, do you want Cruskets? Yeah. Oh, it's lunchtime. What do you want for lunch? Cruskets. Okay. No problem. More cruskets with more butter. And then we get to a point where I'm like, okay, no, today you're going to have a sandwich. No, I want cruskets. And it would be a huge battle. And then I'd end up just making him cruskets. Well, I guess it was reinforcing to you not to just let him pick what he wants and give it to him. Because if you pick, he's going to have a problem with it. Yeah. So as much as you're saying, you know, you wanted to give him cruskets. It's not what you wanted. It was but... just to get him it fed. And yeah. look, there was dinner. I at least was able to do pesto pasta. But even that was a struggle mm. because I had to convince him that it was green we, eggs and we ham. We called it green eggs and, and Green ham. eggs and ham. Yeah. Because it was green. And, and he loved green eggs and ham, the story. He yeah. loved that book. And look, that worked. That made him eat that. Mm. But then now that I knew that he would eat that, that was literally all I'd make him for dinner. I'd boil a pot of pasta put in a jar of pesto sauce, dinner's done for the next few nights. Mm -hmm. Easy. And at that time in our life, we did have a few days a week where he went to school one one day. It was one day one day at the start and then quickly turned into two. Yeah. So we knew at school he was getting meals with vegetables because they said to us, like, 
we said, oh, he's a really fussy eater. He's probably not going to eat that kind of lunch. Like, what should we do? And they just said, look, kids are monkey see, monkey do. And if all the other kids are eating it, they're going to eat it. And he did. Mm. So he knew he was getting... At least one or two meals a week yeah. he was eat, eating different. And then he also had uh, care from your mum. Yeah, she would Quite make frequently, him like... like Wednesdays. And then my nana would come on Thursdays at lunchtime. And she and would bring sandwiches and stuff sandwiches. for him. And so there were... we. It sounds so broad when <laughs> he you're did, saying... He didn't live he off just $2.50. Yeah. But there were definitely a lot of other people supporting his food journey. It was just more so you... What I was capable of doing capable of, was yeah. not the help not what he needed and I'm, I'm i can share it because he got through it and it's fine i just know that the the offset to that or the off results to that were that he wasn't being fed the right nutrition and it actually in turn made his behavior more difficult and the power dynamic shifted hugely yeah i think that that's a big a big thing to note is that by giving in to what he wanted every time, it meant he was in control and then us breaking that when my hyperemesis journey was over, woof, that was <laughs> It was tough. <laughs> rough as. And oh, that's another segment on its own. So <laughs> let's let's go away and on the other side of this, we're gonna talk about actually how we're fixing that. So our little crusket boy needed to get off the cruskets and you were back to like physically you got back to full fitness relatively quickly. Mm. I would say after our premises, which meant you could you were more capable around the kitchen, mm-hmm. around looking after him, doing interacting with him and just yeah. in general fixing all the things that went wrong. Yeah. When you weren't able to be there. And it was really really tough coming back in oh. because I felt so separated from it and so out, unable to help or d- unable to do anything to fix it when I was sick that coming out of it, I was like, okay, you know, I'm gung-ho. This is going to be solved instantly. Like he's got me back. It's all good, but it just doesn't work that way. It was like you were cryogenically frozen for nine months <laughs> and then – you came out and expecting everything to sort of be the same and knowing that it probably wasn't going to be and then having to really sort of find your place or find everything back mm. to get it to where it was. He was having none of it for a very long time. Yeah, he just, it was the power dynamic shift, I I feel, because it was almost like I didn't, my role in his life for that period of time was always like comfort and playfulness and he, he supportive was upset. words. Yeah, yeah. He would come to you while you were lying in bed. You yeah. would give him a cuddle, tell him everything's okay, and then he would have to leave because that was really all you could do. Mm-hmm. So for, for me, for our relationship, I think that I didn't really have an authoritative kind of standpoint at that point in time. And then you didn't. <laughs> you oh, were, I, you I were not alpha. No. Um, so it was us two, I guess, kind of competing against 
him and oh, kids have some determination. <laughs> I tell you, the thing that this is highlights the determination, right? When he was with my mum or when he was with your mum, mm. if they made him food, he would eat it. Yeah. Like my mum would make him lentils with pasta. Mm-hmm. Unthinkable in my mind how that could ever work, but he would eat it. Mm. She'd and make enjoy le- it. She'd make leftovers and bring them to us. Yeah. And then I would try to get him to eat it and he would straight up refuse. Yeah. Because he knew what he could get away with us. Mm-hmm. Whereas he knew he couldn't get away with it at the Nunnies or with your mum. And I think he was in a place where it was like he didn't need to get away with it. That's true. You know, at home he just felt like potentially that. We'll ask it him gave one day. Him, yeah. It gave him more attention or i don't know kids well we had to try and turn it around and i think it maybe took us a bit longer to try and really do it because when we moved into the unit we didn't have a kitchen for effectively what three or four months Mm. because we lost the mic we we took out the oven and the stove top that was here and we were just having microwave meals we also had the rice cooker that had the rice cooker many different ways you so could, we we cooked I, pasta in there quite we could a do bit. a red sauce in there yeah and once we sort of got through that hurdle once we moved in that was when we decided we've got to do something mm. and it started off really with meal plan for the week yeah and making sure the fridge is stocked with groceries so mm-hmm. we're not just doing the quick fix of oh let's just do him a thing of rice and he can have plain rice for dinner. Mm-hmm. It was making sure we had all of that there so then we could organize our week with meals. Yeah. And then once we had that structure in place, it was about making sure that he ate what we were eating in some for, in some fashion. Yeah. And that was when we started to really see some things kind of change. Because mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember we gave him lasagna. And he just was like, I'm not eating that. Oh, my gosh. Him eating lasagna. Oh, when he used to do that, like, gagging thing. <laughs> oh, And my... then he would tell us, oh, it was because the bite was too big. And he'd be like, blah, blah, like, gagging. He'd pretend that he was going to throw it up. Like, oh, my goodness. Because it was so gross. And it made me gag. Because I'm like, that's the worst noise I've ever heard. But it's so strange. Yeah, because before, anytime I made lasagna, whether it was vegetarian or with mince, he lapped it up. He loved lasagna. So I just thought, okay, I can make my lasagna again. I'm, you know, able to do this like two-day process yeah. of Italian lasagna uh, so he can have that. And and then, yeah, it, he didn't want it. And I think that that was a big shock to me is that even me making those meals that he used to love and we would all eat it together as a family, he wouldn't eat them. So we tried that approach initially and then we tried something else. We like really set it forward a different path. And we thought, what can we do to make him just eat? That was when we tried the three thing. And we found that to explain what the three thing is, we had a sort of a a plate Mm -hmm. and it was sectioned off into three compartments. One compartment was what we were having for dinner, which... Let's just pull random Monday night. That is spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. All right. So that would be one section. Another section would be something like what? 
fruit. He fruit. always had fruit on always there. Always had fruit, Because yeah. from... Grapes for a period of time, he loved grapes. Loved grapes. But he's always loved fruit. There was never a time during this phase of fussy mm, eating true. where he didn't eat fruit. He's obsessed with fruit. So he'd have a little section for fruit. And mm-hmm. then the other one would be... Something like, new. Like a carrot stick or... Um, Mashed potato. Mashed potato, for example, because he didn't like to eat that. So, mm-hmm. you know, he'd wolf down the grapes. <laughs> great, he always ate the best thing first. Yeah. And rookie, I such a rookie. I, you know, learn. I don't eat like that. Yeah. I eat the worst first. Yeah. <laughs> when, whenever I see Peter have a salad, she eats the baby spinach first. All and the then baby eat, spinach. And literally then... all of the baby spinach <laughs> and then the rest of it afterwards. <laughs> so, you know, another night, for example, on a Wednesday we have pesto. It would be pesto in one section and then the two other two sections would be that fruit and other philosophy else. right just to make sure that he can see his plate he's got something there he, he loves to eat and yeah then... so i think the three sections is something you know they eat and they enjoy something that seems more like a treat so whether that's fruit we chose fruit you know some people might put like crackers hot chips like fries or yeah crackers or something that's special to the child. And then the third section is something to try. Yeah. And the thing is, you've got to be firm though. Like we had to be firm with him because mm. there would be nights where he just was flat out sitting there going, not eating the thing that we needed him to eat. Yeah. So we just had to take a firm stance and say, you're not leaving this table until. You've had one bite or yeah. two bites or you try it uh, because Yeah, it it doesn't matter how much they eat necessarily because people are allowed to not like something. Yeah. So we didn't want to get across that you just have to like everything, but it was just to open the doors, open up what, the realms. Yeah, open up to things that he might enjoy. Yeah, and look, this method has actually worked to find other things and other food that he... Yeah, and now we don't even have to use that. No. That no. was just more of like a transitional... Traditional way of opening up the paths out of where of the situation we were in. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, our lunch is a lot better. Like mm-hmm. he, he's come around to he eats more sandwiches and he has more variety on his sandwiches. It used to just be butter. Mm-hmm. Now he's having jam. Now he's having peanut butter. Now he's having Vegemite cheese. Mm-hmm. He can have it toasted sometimes. He can have it toasted. He loves yep. it toasted sometimes. His breakfasts have gotten more. Um, and it's variety still, as well. It's still wholemeal bread yep. as well. So he he never went to a place where he would only eat white bread. He doesn't eat the crust, things like that. Like he at least still always ate all of the bread. Yeah. <laughs> so off, off the back of what was a pretty terrible food section of his life, he's starting to exit it. And it's going to be a good model for Racina because she's in a – she has started the same way Alberto's kind of started, where mm-hmm. she's just into eating everything mm-hmm. and is enjoying food. So hopefully, fingers crossed, yeah, we can keep that going. Because and things aren't perfect with where we're all at at the moment with eating. I have to do a lot of hidden veggies. Yes, um, which is great because okay, they're eating them and they're being consumed like in the meatball sauce. Like there's. I've since learned my mum used to do that, and I did not know that. There you go. She used to hide all of the vegetables in the, in the pasta sauce. Yeah. And uh, I just assumed that it was just pasta sauce, but yeah. no, no, there was it's other a, stuff in there. It's a really good way to do it, 
but I would really like them to see the vegetables and eat them and enjoy them because they're nice. You yes. Know? Yeah. They can be really good. So we're still working on seeing the vegetables and eating them, I guess. And next year we've got when he starts school, that's a whole other journey of starting oh, to packing plan lunch packing boxes. lunches because daycare look after it now. And yeah. So that's, uh, we're going to have to navigate that minefield. But if anyone has any suggestions on yes. lunchbox packing, that would be really helpful. Please help us out because yes. we're about to go into that. So if you've ever packed a lunchbox for fussy eaters, <laughs> for fussy eaters, we'll <laughs> happily take any advice. Look, I, I don't know where we've got to with this in terms of this story. I feel like we started off really strong with Alberto's having really good food. And then midway through, we lost his way. And then we're kind of getting back on a good ground. That's probably where we're at, I would say, with all this fussy eating stuff. He's less fussy. Yeah. I think it's good to share things like this with people because we all go through this. And as I said before, I hope it is a phase and it's not a lifetime like what you experience. (laughs) Yeah. Because... I think food is really important and it's important to nourish our bodies in a good way and to know that you're nourishing it. I think it's really good for your mindset. That's right. And you get so much more energy. I think one more thing I'll add before we get to our tips is I've noticed the shift in Alberto's behavior Mm. from when we weren't fueling him right. Mm -hmm. He wasn't listening. He was constantly like very emotional negative energy too emotional yeah and then we drew a line in the sand and started focusing on it properly and it turned around mm. and he became more of what we remembered him to be before the hyperemesis came in yeah a little bit more level-headed yeah and not not going to extreme highs and lows so from, you know sugar i really noticed the food makes a big impact on him and how he probably feels. So mm-hmm. paying close attention to it, definitely the right move. Yeah. But uh, as always, more tips on the other side of this. So, look, we're in a much better spot now. Alberto's eating better food. He's a lot happier. We're both able to contribute to it. Happy days. I, uh, they, You know they can't hear you nodding, right? <laughs> <laughs> she nods at me like with a big smile on her face. I'm like, they they can't hear that. When we, <laughs> so obviously we like to leave with a couple of tips. And my tip for making sure you have, uh, you know, done everything you can to help support fussy eating is eating dinner together yeah i think when i look back on how we didn't do that for a while it we would just pick the quickest food for them to eat get them to bed and then we would indulge in our dinner and i just think it didn't create that you know feeling of unified family yeah when we did that so when we eat dinner together there's a bit of uh there's rules you can lay down. It can be like, well, you don't leave the table until we've all sort of finished our meals and mm-hmm. which kind of means that they're, they're engaged to stay there and keep eating their food, even if they've like decided that one bite's enough. Like, no, you want to stay here because we're all still eating. Mm-hmm. We're all still talking to each other. 
then try and you try and distract them talking about their day and what do you do at school today Alberto and again that kind of keeps their mind away from the food they're eating and on I found Alberto really likes to count his bites that's one one thing that when we all sit down and eat together he likes to that's what he wants to talk about how many bites he's had or can you count how many I'm having or I'll count and you guys have to watch kind of thing yeah uh and look, that's fine. I think anything that kind of gets him in the mood to keep eating, mm. no problem. So happy days there. Eating dinner together has definitely made a big impact on our family and mm-hmm. making sure that Alberto in particular is com- comfortable eating his dinner. Mm-hmm. So that would be my tip. Making sure you eat as a family. Yeah. It's a very simple one. Probably the oldest one there is, but it's effective yeah, for a reason. But sometimes... That's the thing, you just, right? Yeah, you you forget why. That's mm. the oldest cliche kind of advice to give is because sometimes you forget or sometimes you tend to eat on the lounge or oh, yeah. something like that. And I think it is really important to sit down at the table at mealtime all together. That's not eat. to say it's not nice to eat after they've gone to bed because it is. But yeah. it means more often than not, eating dinner together will work. Yeah, I think when you eat after they've eaten, it's can be a bit more of a slower pace or you can have you can breathe yeah. <laughs> i guess because you're not fussing over them often oh, when we're eating dinner together i'll look down on the plate there's no food left i'm like oh <laughs> i don't even remember eating <laughs> it's because i've taken bites quickly to get him to the toilet or yeah to help racina with something it's just crazy but yeah. still for the kids it's the most effective thing mm-hmm. what's your tip My tip is meal planning. So not necessarily meal prep, but just writing down a menu for the week. Typically dinners. I think lunches can be a little bit more. Haphazard, free, open, yeah. Yeah, but for dinners. And I think one thing that we did when we were trying to move into this new phase of open eating was we got a family planner and we hung it on our wall. And we've written on there... Monday to Sunday, our meals for the week. And we go through it with Alberto and we say, this is what we're having. And then he'll often say to us now, what day is it? And then it'll be Wednesday. And he says, oh, so we're having pesto today. Kids are smart. Yeah. They commit that stuff to memory. Yeah. So I think that was a real key for us is it held us to accountability as well because we would decide, okay, that's what we're having. And then sometimes on a Monday after a long busy weekend and Alberto's gone to school and you know got Racina at home I'm like oh my gosh I don't want to spend hours making meatballs because for us doing it the Italian way it does meals cooking takes a lot longer but because it's on the menu and Alberto knows about it if he came home and it wasn't there then we've got a problem. This week was the perfect example. You couldn't. You didn't make meatballs. You made um, oh, mints. I did a bolognese. You did a bolognese sauce, and <laughs> exactly the same. Like okay, the meatballs have a little bit more to it than just meat in the pan. But realistically, the sauce is the same. The hidden veggies were the same, and the type of meat he was the same. Lost, lost it. it. And in that instance, we had to be firm, and I, we did this trick. It's diverting a little bit from what Peter's tip was. But I took it away and put it in the kitchen and I said, you're going to sit here until you're ready to eat. 
Mm. Five minutes went by of him sulking and he goes, I'm ready to eat now. And then he ate it all. So sometimes you do just have to play a bit of a firm hand with them and to get them all across the line. But it just showcased that we had the plan and he was familiar with the plan. He Mm. was uh, comfortable with the plan. He's expecting it. And then you deviate. Yeah. They notice. And it was just because they got sick. And, you know, when you're sick, you don't have energy and you don't want to be like sneezing over the food or something (laughs) gross, you know? So you just try and make something that's quicker. So, yeah, and it wasn't as successful, but... But it does showcase how effective meal planning with your children can be. You get them used to a routine. And including them in In the planning. Like, what would you like to eat, you know? Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, there's our tips. Eating together and then involving and planning with your children on the meals for the week, too. Yeah. Oh, can you believe it? We have one episode left this season. Wow. Yeah. It goes so fast. It's gone really, really quickly. And next week's one's a fun one. Yes. We're going to talk all oh, things. Oh, next week's one is fun. Yeah. I'm she excited. She just remembered what it is. Yeah. It's all things parties. So excited. Birthday parties, occasion parties, like baptisms mm-hmm. and just the Fun things you get to plan for your kids that start out this really fun, beautiful idea and then can become chaotic and stressful. And then you think, why did I ever do this? (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to talk about why we do them next week on next week's pod. Uh, In between now and then, we obviously are on Instagram and Twitter. As we said earlier, please, please, please send us any tips you have about lunch boxes. Yeah, we're ready for that. We're going to need it. We're going to need it because it's coming at us like like a freight train. So until then, between now and next week, everyone have a good good week. Be safe, be happy, and we'll see you then. See you next week. See you next week.